It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. About what's going on at the border? Is somebody asking the foreign nationals who are walking into Del Rio, Texas, and setting up camps on this side of the border for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test? Well, first of all, I can re, re, I can readdress for you or re-talk re you through what that steps the, we that take. That's policy for people who fly into the country. So, if somebody walks into the country right across the river, does somebody ask them to see their vaccination card? Well, let me explain to you again, Peter, how our process works. As individuals, as individuals come across the border, uh, and uh, they are uh, both assessed for whether they have uh, any symptoms. If they have symptoms, they are the intention is for them to be quarantined. That is our process. They're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. I don't think it's but the same here. thing. The it's difference? not the same thing. These are individuals, as we've noted and as we've been discussed, we are expelling individuals based on Title 42 specifically because of COVID, because we want to prevent a scenario where large numbers of people are gathering, posing a threat to the community and also to the migrants themselves. So those are the policies that we put in place um, in large part because, again, the CDC continues to recommend Title 42 be in place given we're facing a global pandemic. Where's the vice president on any of this? Isn't she supposed to be addressing the root causes of migration? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely, uh, says Jen Psaki. So as thousands uh, uh, come across the border in Texas from all around the world, uh, and as Texas struggles to manage this, both the economic fallout, the cost of it, uh, the uh, medical care, the danger to communities, Texas has come in and, you know, put the, some of their uh, uh, their official vehicles, make it, in fact, creating a wall when the government won't finish the wall. And uh, Kamala Harris, you know, is like A-W-O-L and so is Joe Biden. And you might remember that Kamala Harris was put in charge of overseeing the, you know, the root issues of what was happening at the border. Uh, but she's nowhere to be seen. Remember what she said just a few months ago, clip two. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So this whole, this, whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance of the border. Well, I, I'm yeah, so <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been to Europe either. That's your vice president, Kamala Harris. And uh, even MSNBC is getting a little toked at them. Stephanie Rule made this statement yesterday. Let's listen. How about the message from our vice president? Where is she? She was supposed to be in charge of all of these migration issues, going to those northern triangle countries. That's obviously not Haiti. That was one of her first international trips with the message, do not come here illegally. People aren't listening. What is she saying now? 
Well, right. we and haven't heard a lot from the There's an answer from someone that represents her, and we're going to interrupt that. But I wanted you to hear the question from Stephanie Rule because she is with MSNBC. And the fact that she asked, you know, where is Kamala Harris was pretty amazing. So uh, people are beginning to wonder. Uh, we also know that that Title 42 was a provision, a health provision put in by the Trump administration uh, that the Biden administration has not been able to, what, eradicate yet? Uh, but we do know that uh, a federal judge... A federal judge has blocked the Biden administration from expelling migrants under the COVID public health order. In other words, skipping Title 42, the judge says, um, let's see, he says, in view of the wide availability of testing, vaccines, and other minimization measures, the court is not convinced that the transmit the court the court is not convinced that the transmission of COVID-19 during border processing cannot be significantly mitigated. Indeed, the government has successfully implemented mitigation measures with regard to processing unaccompanied minors in order to minimize the risk of COVID-19 transmission. So guess what judge that was who is saying, oh, no, you can't send them out of the country because of COVID. No, because there are things, you know, we have things in process that can help those thousands of people that are over, overwhelming the southern border. If the, if the government can't even keep them from coming across the border, how is the government going to set up lines to test for COVID? Uh, and guess who that judge is? You're going to love this. The judge that issued that order stopping the Biden administration uh, from uh, sending, in case they wanted to, sending people back to their countries because of the danger from COVID, that is Emmett Sullivan. Remember that name? Emmett Sullivan is the judge who uh, made, um, um, oh gosh, I'm just, uh, uh, Michael, um, yes, Michael Flynn's life miserable. Emmett Sullivan, the D.C. judge, is making that point, uh, point. It's just amazing to me. And also, one of the other ironies, wicked ironies of this, the Biden administration just released yesterday uh, um, a, a dictate that all foreign travelers flying to the U.S. will need to demonstrate proof of vaccination before boarding, as well as proof of a negative COVID-19 test taken within three days of flight. Okay, so they just issued that while we see images of thousands and thousands of people crossing the Texas border. It really is disgusting. And one last thing about the immigration crisis at the border. Governor Abbott was on with uh, Laura Ingram last night, and I want you to hear a bit of what he had to say. Clip six. You know, I, I have not yet heard from the president during this his entire presidency concerning the border. Uh, the Biden administration uh, refuses to even pretend as though there's a crisis. And uh, obviously, as you've been talking about tonight and as your viewers have seen for months now, there is chaos down there, especially in the Del Rio sector. Uh, and so the Democrats made clear, let's go back one year ago back when the Democrats were sharing a debate stage. And you had Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke and others all talking about how they wanted to have open border policies in the United States. Americans probably had no idea it was going to lead to this level of chaos as you saw all those people streaming across the border. Lord, there was a, a report out today. The report contained comments by a Border Patrol agent. The Border Patrol agent said that the reason why control was able to be gained uh, in the Del Rio sector today is because of the Texas Department of Public Safety. What we did, we uh, put uh, hundreds of Texas Department of Public Safety cars and created a steel wall, a steel wall of DPS vehicles that prevented anybody from crossing that uh, dam that you've seen people walk across walking into the state of Texas. We effectively, as the officer said, regained yeah. control 
of the border in the Rio Grande sector because the Texas Department of Public Safety stepped up. This is going to be chaos as long as the Biden administration is in charge. Yeah, so that was Governor Abbott. Uh, Good for Governor Abbott. You guys down there in Texas must be very grateful for your governor, as the people of Florida are grateful for Ron DeSantis, and there are other great governors around. Uh, Not enough. (laughs) Not enough, but God bless them, Uh, because that's really only our line of defense between uh, this radical uh, government and all of the people that are serving Joe Biden and the the deep state, which now we understand there's, there are armies of people serving in all of these uh, institutions in Washington that are our enemies. I mean, in the sense they are political enemies. They hate this country for what it is. They want to undermine, destroy the Constitution, and they want to change everything about it. They want to radically transform the United States of America like their ideological leader, Barack Obama, so eloquently put when he was running for president. I guess people didn't really believe him. They didn't really understand what he meant, hopefully. Uh, so uh, that's so we're watching it, aren't we? All right, I want to move uh, from immigration to Afghanistan because there are some updates there. They're still trying to get people out, uh, which reminds me that there is a report now that um, the Biden administration is blocking the rescue of persecuted Christians. Uh, Glenn Beck was on with Tucker Carlson a few nights ago, and he says the State Department has blocked us every step of the way. State Department and the White House have been the, the biggest problem. Everyone else, everyone else has been working together, putting aside differences, and trying to get these people to safety. In fact, an ambassador was called in Macedonia last night and told not to accept any of these people. He's talking about Christian refugees. We have to send people into an even greater danger to try to smuggle these Christians out who are marked not just for death, but to be set on fire alive because they're converted Christians. It's... um. Uh, by the way, Afghan is listed as the second worst nation in the world for persecution of Christians, followed on the heels of the worst, which is North Korea. So that's what the Biden administration is doing. They are blocking Christians. Remember the Obama administration did that too from Syria. Remember they blocked Christian refugees? They took Muslim refugees, but not Christian refugees. And so, and at the same time, on the other side of that ironic, wicked coin, we have Joe Biden appointing an Islamist. As the head of the U.S. Religious Freedom, he's the U.S. Religious Freedom Ambassador, I guess, replacing Sam Brownback from Kansas. Yes, now we have, uh, he's affiliated with the Muslim Brotherhood. His name is Rashad Hussein. So that should tell you, I could fill in some blanks, but you could probably figure out what that means. I want to also tell you that in Afghanistan, uh, this is a, a report from Indian News. Uh, it is... Um, the guy, the suicide bomber who killed those 13 Americans, uh, 13 military people, personnel, Abdul Rahman, he was a former engineering student with roots in Afghanistan's Logar province, uh, the son of a merchant who frequently visited New Delhi on business. He was freed from Bagram prison on August the 15th. Uh, he um, uh, was incarcerated in Afghan- Afghanistan's notorious Bagram prison for the past four years. And then uh, he was handed over to the United States CIA by Research and Analyst Wing in September. Uh, then he walked free on August the 15th, along with thousands of other dangerous terrorists held in that high-security prison, taking advantage of the chaos and uh, igniting his suicide bomb. So he just had been released at Bagram. Whose idea was it to shut down Bagram? Oh, let's see. Let me think. I believe uh, one of the main architects was General the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, because he thought it was such a good idea to shut down that big base, which held all these uh, terrorists 
and has for all these years, which is one of the reasons we have been safe, but he let them all loose. And now we have another report. This is from, I believe this is also from the Woodward book, and this is an article from an article by Michael Goodwin of the New York Post. He said, Milley never told his superiors what he was doing, meaning uh, contacting his Chinese counterparts and making promises that, that President Trump wouldn't bomb them. And if, if he did, he would let them know if something was happening. Uh, so Goodwin goes on. But he did, Milley did reportedly tell his top staff that only he could give final approval for a nuclear strike. A separate report says he warned aides of trouble from Trump supporters, declaring that we're the guys with the guns. So um, notably, Michael Goodwin says, and this kind of pivots to our next discussion, not a single military officer blew the whistle. In plain English, this was an attempted coup. Milley, in a fit of pique over the president's conduct after the election, reversed the chain of command. No longer would a duly elected civilian be on top. A general trusted with awesome responsibility went rogue, usurping the president's power and making himself commander-in-chief. Milley's actions are the latest manifestation of a sickness that led the leaders of many important institutions to turn their hatred for Trump and to a license to break restraints, standards, and even laws. And uh, so what we're going to do next, uh, Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch is going to join us, and we're going to be talking about that uh, John Durham report that just came out last week. Finally, this was, of course, under President Trump's uh, attorney general, and we this was the one that was supposed to get everyone, uh, the people that had colluded to destroy Donald Trump. Uh, but we waited and we waited, and then uh, the attorney general decided not to release the report before the election. Remember that? Made that decision. And then it just kept slugging away and slugging away. And finally, uh, John Durham raised his head last week and issued a report. Uh, I have to tell you, Alan Dershowitz thinks that the indictment that he uh, filed against the, this attorney, Sussman, we're going to get into the details of this, is really toothless. But Andy McCarthy, uh, who I trust, has a very different view of it. So uh, Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch have been all over this. And I think you need to hear this because it's kind of a culmination of all that we've talked about these past several years uh, with angst about what was happening to the Trump administration and to Donald Trump personally and to his family. And so we're going to dissect that and try to make some sense of it, if that's possible. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The Ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life. I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if they had not been there to support me. From giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower, and they went out and they got churches to cover my bills. They helped me through so much. It was just incredible. Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. Would you join with Preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com. 
The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. The Washington State Health Department is hiring full-time help to work for an isolation and quarantine strike team. Concerned citizens posted the job notice on Twitter. The position is in Centralia, Washington, at their state isolation and quarantine facility. The ideal candidate is outward, even when confronted with others that are not open or collaborative. Now, that's a bit disturbing to some folks because there have been fears that the federal government might try to put unvaccinated Americans into camps or quarantine zones, and it's a valid concern. But I did some digging, and it turns out the COVID facility in Washington state has been in operation for quite some time, housing several dozen people who did not have a place to quarantine. Local citizens want the facility closed, but that's unlikely, seeing how they're hiring more workers. Pay attention, America. We're heading into some choppy waters. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Got an email from the New York Times. This was September 28th of 2016 saying that we had servers connected. Trump organizations had servers connected to some Russia bank that was being funded by Putin. I go, no, we don't, guys. They said, yes, you do. We've got a tip. It's very, very credible. And I didn't know until literally Durham invited Michael, indicted Michael two days ago that this whole thing was actually done by the Clinton campaign. We had no idea where it came from. We worked with the FBI for a year, a year and a half. All our IT vendors worked with the FBI. They wanted one thing, Maria. They wanted a headline in the New York Times or the Washington Post saying Donald Trump or the Trump Organization under investigation by the FBI for ties with Russia, which is exactly what they got for the two years that went past that Pulitzer Prizes were won by literally, you know, writers all over the country about their great reporting on the collusion between Trump and between Russia. And we all know now that it was funded by Hillary Clinton. It's an absolute disgrace. Um, it makes our country look like a banana republic, and it just shouldn't have happened. 
Where is Hillary Clinton in this conversation? Where's her voice? I mean, you better believe if Donald Trump had one of his lawyers going in to make up lies to the FBI to try and smear another campaign, you would have you better believe that he would have been on every paper around the world. Where is she? Why isn't she answering these questions? She paid for a person, a lawyer from one of the biggest law firms in the country to go in and lie to the FBI. That's what she did. And guess what? No one even rings her doorbell. No one even asks the question of her. And, and that's the problem, Maria, with the Democrats. The problem with the Democrats is they dig so deep that they always find themselves. And, and the reason I'm frustrated about this is every single day since my father ran for president, my father and our entire family and our company has been under investigation. Every single day, Maria, yeah. we get subpoena after subpoena after we su subpoena. By, I mean, they've weaponized the entire system in this country. They've weaponized the DOJ. Yeah. They've weaponized our military. They've weaponized the educational system in this country. Right. They, they've weaponized the medical system in this country. The Democrats weaponize absolutely everything they can to use against their political opponents. All right, that was Eric Trump on Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiroma. By the way, that is a go-to show. I've mentioned that before, but if you don't watch it, you know, record it. It's on Sunday morning, and you may be at church or wherever you are, but honestly, it is the best source of information. And honestly, we could probably close down the interview right now. I think Tom would agree because Eric really kind of summed up what just happened. Tom Fitton is the president of Judicial Watch, and uh, no one has followed the intrigue of uh, the undermining of President Trump, the infiltration of our institutions, any better than Judicial Watch. They've done incredible work to expose the uh, the malfeasance of the FBI and all of it, but you know that. And I've asked Tom to join us this morning to talk about the report that Durham issued just last week. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Sandy. So after that wonderful introduction and that comment by Eric Trump that covers it all, I have nothing to add. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking, too. As I was listening to it again, I thought, man, he he isn't it something, Tom, it's such a gift to be able to, this is such a complex story, and as I was preparing to talk to you, you know, it's just like a mush, it's just, just so much, uh, and to be able to be that concise, and he was, it was amazing, but so are you, and so uh, I'm curious to know, John Durham, we've waited for this for years. And we know that uh, Attorney General Barr did not allow him to issue, well, we thought, an, a report before the uh, election. And now he has at least a partial. And I, I just want to know your take, your take on what he on what this means. Well, uh, you know, Eric Trump's largely right. I think, um, so take a step back. Uh, Michael Sussman, who works for the Clinton campaign, went in and gave a false story to the general counsel for the FBI. A, that the meeting took place is a sign of corruption because you normally don't get meetings with the FBI's lawyer about potential criminal investigations. He's not there to do that. Uh, and Sussman lied about why he was there. He was there on behalf of the Clinton campaign. He also represents the Democratic National Committee. So the Democratic Party is implicated in this. And to set up that lie, he was working with outsiders who wanted a job in the Clinton campaign, uh, the steel operation, the fusion GPS operation, of course, his law firm and the Clinton campaign, including Jake Sullivan. And they all knew it was a lie, it looks like. They, the, uh, the computer people were saying, we don't really have any evidence that this took place, and anyone with any sense will see beyond the surface, you know, uh, uh, anyone looking at it beyond the surface will see quickly this whole thing collapses. Yet they still pushed it forward, as Eric said, to, hide, to, to get that hook that the FBI was investigating this. And Hillary yeah, you, did it. 
Hillary did it because she later was tweeting out this information, pretending it came from separate sources or independent sources, when in fact it was her people putting it out. Yeah, and Durham actually, he documents that. And, and Now, Andy McCarthy says this is a fascinating read, and he thinks this is just the first step of a long play. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a second, but I guess we need to talk more about the case first. I was reading that Chris Steele, who was responsible for, we think, for the dossier, the Russian dossier, which was completely phony, actually added in his dossier and his information that he turned over the story about the Alpha Bank in Russia, which is supposedly the connection with the Trump administration. And when he was under invest, uh, interrogation or whatever uh, in the British courts, he knew nothing about Alpha Bank. And so he got that information from uh, the indirectly from the Hillary campaign. So um, it's it's just now one. I call it the self licking. I call it the self licking ice cream cone. <laughs> oh, where'd you good. hear it from? Oh, three sources: me, myself, and I. It's it's mm. you know they they're putting out information and they're quoting the press stories or highlighting the press stories, um, citing their own information as proof that their information is accurate. I mean, it's just insanity, and it was quite obvious what was going on. The FBI. Concurrently, you know, it was not an innocent party here, in my view. They were paying Christopher Steele at the same time the Clinton campaign was paying him and trying to get him to get dirt on Trump as well in an improper way. Uh, so it's an, it's, it's an ugly and criminal investigation, a criminal scenario here. What's really interesting about this, it occurs to me, uh, you know, obviously, you know, others have highlighted is the Clinton campaign has been under criminal investigation. That's what was confirmed this, in this indictment. And uh, the news pretends it's not a big deal because they were part of the scheme. But that's the news. And, you know, for those of us who've been skeptical of Durham, seeing no evidence that he was doing anything, now we have evidence he's been doing something. And let's see if he does more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just to, I want to say this again, and maybe a little differently, maybe more of a uh, casual observers. Michael Sussman was now, we've Durham has identified him as at the center of this plot. Uh, so he goes to the FBI special counsel, or not counsel, but the counsel, chief counsel, James Baker, and says he, as a private citizen, he just has this concern that he's stumbled on this evidence that President Trump is con- and his organization are connected to the Russians through this bank. And so uh, that's the pretense upon which the FBI begins uh, all of this, and this press begins to report it. So I guess this is really the heart. My understanding, Tom, is that in this, uh, I don't know if you call I guess in this indictment or this paper that Durham has presented so far, he lays out the story carefully. Uh, and Andy McCarthy says it will be a great read. I haven't read it. Maybe, you know, it's pretty long. But um I expect we're going to find out a few more things, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you had an academic institution involved in this operation where they were, essentially they were trying to gain access to non-public data that's granted through government um, processes. These were the uh, computer folks that were working with the Clinton campaign. So some folks were uncomfortable doing that. Uh, on top of that, you uh, had a press a press um, operative, a journalist involved in this scheme as well. It confirms that the president is a crime victim, President Trump. Uh, you know they had this conspiracy targeting him. 
And this is just the tip of the iceberg in the sense that Steele had been paid by the FBI at the same time the Clinton campaign was paying him. Uh, the FBI uh, had their own people spying on Trump concurrently with this. And it shows you how sophisticated and really, I don't know either shows how either how, I don't know if it shows you how sophisticated it is, but how easy it is to gain the system. You, it's not just one dossier that was at issue here. You have Steele approaching them. You have also uh, Sussman approaching the FBI separately, pretending he's doing it for other purposes. So it, it, it creates the appearance that there's this tsunami of witnesses coming forward when, in fact, it's the same group, which is Hillary Clinton, who made it all up to distract from her emails. You mentioned Jake Sullivan a few minutes ago. Let's, I'm going to be specific about that because he's a, he's a current uh, advisor to President Biden. Okay, so he was the senior policy advisor to Hillary Clinton. And he declared during this period of time in an official campaign press statement that the Alpha Bank, that's the Russian bank allegation, quote, could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow. And he portrayed that report as the work of independent experts when he knew better so it sounds like he has, uh, he might be on this list. I mean, why wouldn't he be on this list of uh, people like Michael Sussman? This is where I think, by, uh, excuse me, Durham should escalate the investigation. Sullivan should be, for, should be before a grand jury. Hillary Clinton should be before a grand jury. Frankly, Joe Biden and Obama, you know, the most charitable interpretation is their witnesses. They should be before a grand jury. I don't understand why these top officials get a pass. And, of course, Jake Sullivan is now uh, the top national security official, national security advisor, responsible for the Afghanistan mess, was there with Hillary for Benghazi, too. And in, in the intermediate time, he was working in the campaign, concocting a scheme, concocting a lie about Russia and Donald Trump. You know, that's, da- that's a dangerous game, obviously, not only with respect to civil liberties and the rights of Donald Trump and people around him, but when you start accusing, knowingly accuse a foreign government that we've got a tenuous relationship with of this type of activity, knowing it's false, so what, you know, you're placing lives at risk. You know, I, one thing, Tom, this is speculation, and I, so I'm going to speculate. I, William Barr uh, seemed to be so strong in so many ways as he was uh, serving President Trump as attorney general. Then toward the end, I just had a sense that he was unserious, that there was a flippancy and uh, an unwillingness to engage and it all kind of seemed, from an outsider, to just kind of fall apart. And I, I find myself wondering if he did not, like, sniff out uh, what was happening, like the undermining of General Milley and the military and all of them, that he just maybe felt hopeless to him, and he did just give up. I wonder what your thoughts are about that. You know, my impression of Bill Barr is that um, he was a Republican lawyer. He was a Republican lawyer, conservative. He understood a lot of the issues that were, um, you know, he under, understood a lot about the fight that he was in, uh, but didn't really take the steps necessary uh, to meet the other side, either legally or rhetorically. And, uh, well, sometimes rhetorically, I should be more fair in that regard. But, uh, you know, he was an institutionalist for the Justice Department. You know, we were in court the other day fighting about key documents related to Obamagate, the document that the FBI used to justify the spy operation 
into Donald Trump in 2016. So the Justice Department is arguing why the full document shouldn't be released. And, you know, I thought to myself, you know, this would have been no different than taking place last year. The Justice Department's position on these documents hadn't changed. So, you know, for all the complaints I have about Biden transparency, I had about the Barr administration, the Mm -hmm. Barr Justice Department, being similarly non-transparent. Tom, as we talked about, this is kind of like a standard conversation in D.C., uh, the incestuous relationships between people in these situations. And I remember, you know, during when the, during the scandal while President Trump was still in office, the whole relationship between the uh, the FISA court and uh, Peter Strzok and all of that, and all you know, we tracked all that. Now we have some some more stuff. Oh, there's always more stuff. It looks like this uh, Michael Sussman, who is the one indicted by um, John Durham, is going to be, he's been placed in the hands of Judge Christopher Cooper. Uh, I'm sure you're following this. Uh, he, uh, Whose wife is Lisa Page's lawyer, and uh, the Attorney General Garland officiated their wedding. You can't make this stuff up. And and so the the issue is how can how can there be any kind of justice if Sussman goes before the uh, uh, the, the judge whose uh, wife is representing Lisa Page? She was the one who hates Trump, uh, was the lover of Peter Strzok, and they were writing these trying to actually take him down. Um, I don't know if you feel like that's uh, worthy of him stepping down or not. So, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, whether a judge has to recuse himself because of the activities of their spouse, it's a, you know, that doesn't necessarily run the way that you might think it runs. Because, you know, there is a relatively high bar for a judge to recuse himself. But if a spouse has a really substantial interest in the outcome of an investigation or the proceeding before the court, uh, the judge really should recuse themselves. So uh, that's the analysis that the court that has now Sussman before him has to go through. And 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 you're raising the sort of analysis he has to highlight in terms of the uh, the presumption that the judge sits, you know, that you know the judges are ethical and they sit, versus the perception that uh, you know that justice be administered fairly, fairly and be appeared to be administered fairly. Uh, so uh, he's got a decision to make here, and um, you know could go either way, and and with some justification. Well, and of course, meaning meaning, to, meaning there's good reason for him to recuse himself based on this, the kind of the unique circumstances that you're raising here. If he were an honorable man, if he were honorable, but wait, honor seems to be just out the window and the, the rule of law out the window. And so it just it sounds like another setup, um, another discouraging setup for people that want real justice. I want to go back to well, that's what, the trouble here in D.C. Everyone knows each other uh, and and the kind of the the pool from which judges are picked in D.C. Uh, is a small one. And, um, you know, there are these professional relationships that um, even if they don't necessarily require recusal on their face, just undermine confidence in the administration of justice generally because everyone knows about everyone's buddies with each other outside of court. Yeah. Yes. And so now, into the issue of what uh, Durham has actually done, I mentioned to you earlier that Alan Dershowitz is writing that, that that's just weak. It's one of the weakest cases he's ever heard. It's one charge of lying to the FBI that he thinks is just very slender. And, of course, as we both know, without going into all of this, this is a, a charge that often gets thrown out because of the way the FBI interrogates people. Okay, so he says it's weak. But uh, Andy McCarthy, on the other hand, says, 
No, actually, there, there's a five-year uh, statute of limitations on charging someone with lying to the FBI, and it was up uh, September 17th, I think it was. And so he had to file it quickly. It looks like this is just like round one, uh, filed quickly for that purpose. I, uh, and Andy's actually pretty ex- well excited. I can't put words in his mouth, but he's anticipating what Trump, uh, Durham is going to be coming out with in the future. Any thoughts about that? What do you think we could expect, Tom? And, and our, what's the best thing that could happen from this? Well, let me address Dershowitz's point first. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sympathetic somewhat to it. You know, if I'm Sussman, I say, look, the FBI knew how I was work- who I was working for. I had lunch with a friend, and the idea, quote, that, you know, I get charged for information I bring to him is absurd. On the other hand, from my experience as a non-lawyer, the idea that I would bring information to the FBI that I had reason to believe was false, uh, and ask them to investigate it. I, I would expect charges for doing that. I mean, to me, that's a, 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 a it's it's not only lying; you're obstructing justice. Uh, so, I think I disagree slightly with Dershowitz on it, while being sympathetic to the idea because I really don't trust anything the Justice Department does. So I'm always I'm always presuming that really bad guys are getting away with it while they focus on others. But if this is the beginning, um, I think uh, McCarthy is right, uh, Andy McCarthy is right, then then, uh, we can expect more significant charges um, of uh, similarly significant people. Uh, If it's the end, it will be a disappointment. Yeah, well, I don't think it's the end. You know, there are other people that are excited about this. I think Technofog is writing about this. Uh, Let me just read what they say about this. The Sussman indictment is an undisguised signal that conspiracy charges are soon to follow. Uh, He says that it's whoever Technofog is. uh, He says it's uh, it's transparent in the first few paragraphs of the indictment. One need not read past page one to understand where Durham is heading. So um, uh, so evidently some people are pumped up about this. It's just very hard, Tom. Uh, for people listening, including me, to get excited about anything coming out of, I guess, just having the truth exposed is a reward well, in itself. Well, I think I think you're right. I mean, you're you're right to be cynical. I think when when you read the indictment, and um, and I encourage all your listeners to read the indictment. It's it's you know the names are in disguise, but we, we kind of you can figure out who's who by putting two, to get two together with a little internet research. Uh, you, It's hard to believe all that material would be put there if he was just trying to create a record. I think he's what he's trying to do is highlight where the case is going. And um, so that's why folks are, are um, hopeful that there'll be more charges. Uh, you know, the frustrating thing is it's uh, five years after 2016, uh, it's uh, eight months after the president was forced out of office, in part uh, due to the negative publicity from uh, these spy allegations and these Russia collusion allegations that were false, that continue to the, to this day to be leveled against him. And so, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful, but, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the reasons I'm always outraged is because I'm an optimist. Yes, me too, Tom. Always expecting, you know, that someday the next one's going to do it. But um, realistically, uh, we know that we're, we're really in a broken system right now. 
But nevertheless, even if Sussman gets off, I feel like this has been, if nothing else happens, I feel like this report has done some good. And uh, there will be judgment, as I always say to my ju- uh, my audience, uh, eventually, maybe not from the government, but there's someone else who judges us. So, uh, Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch. Uh, J- uh, Tom, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for joining us. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Warning signs while you're driving in traffic are kind of easy to spot, but in marriage, that's not always the case. On the next Focus on the Family, Jeff Scruggs tells how his wife, out of the blue, asked for a divorce. He never saw it coming. Their story will help you to protect your own relationship, and that's next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Statistics show that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and to commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Yet the percentage of children born to fatherless homes has skyrocketed in America. As of 2015, 25% of white, 53% of Hispanic, and 73% of black babies are born into fatherless homes. While scripture teaches that the weight of raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord falls upon fathers, seems like we need a movement that says fatherhood matters. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives, and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles and friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD 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 or click sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org org. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Tucker Carlson reported last night that a growing number of U.S. military personnel are joining others across the country and refusing to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Such objections may be the beginning in earnest of not only opposition to Joe Biden's increasingly totalitarian vax mandates and the identity papers or passports they inevitably necessitate, 
Those willing to lose their commissions or jobs rather than take the jab may just be the leading edge of resistance at last to the larger Biden-Harris agenda of fundamentally transforming America. Thus far, the resistance is and must remain peaceful. And if we are lucky, the Navy SEALs, healthcare workers, and other employees and businesses around the country just saying no to Biden's mandates may help spare the rest of us and America the terrifying consequences of the Marxist revolution his team now has well underway. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Got an email from the New York Times. This was September 28th of 2016 saying that we had servers connected. Trump organizations had servers connected to some Russia bank that was being funded by Putin. I go, no, we don't go, guys. They said, yes, you do. We've got a tip. It's very, very credible. And I didn't know until literally Durham invited Michael, indicted Michael two days ago that this whole thing was actually done by the Clinton campaign. We had no idea where it came from. We worked with the FBI for a year, a year and a half. All our IT vendors worked with the FBI. They wanted one thing, Maria. They wanted a headline in the New York Times or the Washington Post saying Donald Trump or the Trump Organization under investigation by the FBI for ties with Russia, which is exactly what they got. For the two years that went past that, Pulitzer Prizes were won by literally, you know, writers all over the country about their great reporting on the collusion between Trump and between Russia. And we all know now that it was funded by Hillary Clinton. It's an absolute disgrace. Um, it makes our country look like a banana republic and it just shouldn't have happened. Where is Hillary Clinton in this conversation? Where's her voice? I mean, you better believe if Donald Trump had one of his lawyers going in to make up lies to the FBI to try and smear another campaign, you, would have, you better believe that he would have been on every paper around the world. Where is she? Why isn't she yeah. answering these questions? She paid for a person, a lawyer, from one of the biggest law firms in the country to go in and lie to the FBI. That's what she did. And guess what? No one even rings her doorbell. No one even asks the question of her. And, and that's the problem, Maria, with the Democrats. The problem with the Democrats is they dig so deep that they always find themselves. And, and the reason I'm frustrated about this is every single day since my father ran for president, my father and our entire family and our company has been under investigation. Every single day, Maria, yeah. we get subpoena after subpoena after we su subpoena. By, I mean, they've weaponized the entire system in this country. They've weaponized the DOJ. Yeah. They've weaponized our military. They've weaponized the educational system in this country. Right. They, they've weaponized the medical system in this country. The Democrats weaponize absolutely everything they can to use against their political opponents. Eric Trump, I just wanted to play that again because I, I, it's just stunning. And actually, he does, uh, he does in, in his passion, create a synopsis of what's just happened so clearly. He hits so many points. He says, you know, uh, they dig so deep they find themselves. He talks about Hillary Clinton being at the bottom all, of all of this, and where is she? And that made me start, as he was talking again there, I started thinking about Hillary Clinton. It is true that her lives have, her lies have permeated our culture since she was a girl. I mean, you think about uh, things that you probably wouldn't remember, many of you, but dur during the Clinton, sc Clinton scandal, she destroyed people's lives uh, through her travel gate, she lied about the, the guy was in charge of travel at the White House, destroyed his life uh, by claiming that he was stealing money, all because she wanted to uh, interject into the White House her favorite uh, people that did travel from Arkansas. There was really no reason. They didn't have to destroy him like that, but they did.
This was just one thing. She, uh, in Benghazi, this was the, the video blaming the attack on that uh, that uh, annex on a, a video produced by an obscure American film producer. Was that was that's vintage Hillary Clinton lying? The whole um, scandal about the, the Rose Law Firm. You know how suddenly uh, documents show up in the trunk of a car and a tornado. I mean, you can just see her hand. I've watched it for so many years that I recognize it when I see it. And I, in the Benghazi story, I remember um, the whole video narrative. I thought, that is, that is vintage Hillary Clinton. How does a person, I've only known one person in my life who was a liar like that, a pathological liar. A lot of people don't tell the truth, but people that just invent. Uh, I remember one girl I went to college with, uh, the, the guy she was dating, really good-looking guy, played the drums. He told her he'd been an undercover CIA agent, I mean, he he was a professional baseball player, and she believed, of course, all of it. But he was just a complete uh, inveterate liar. He just, um, I, but I haven't. I've only known. I, I guess I knew him, but then I had also another friend when I was younger who was that way. Uh, but I, I always thought they. Who would have thought that they would get such a hold? Someone like Hillary would get such a hold and find such power that her lies and manipulation would actually ruin a country. And that's really, I, I think, what's happened. And as I think back on her life, you know, she is from Chicago, from a beautiful northern suburb called Park Ridge. Uh, and she had, um, she her parents were Republicans. She was raised uh, in a Methodist church. And I actually did a long interview with her uh, history teacher, who was very close to her when she was in high school. And he talked to me about how he watched her transform. And it was the under the... Uh, the tutelage of a youth pastor in a United Methodist Church, who was a radical leftist, um, and so uh, he, she loved him and began to turn. He got her turned on to uh, Saul Alinsky. She became a Saul Alinsky acolyte. Actually, met with Saul Alinsky, who was a communist, uh, you know, the, the like the father of modern organization, uh, who dedicated his book to uh, to Lucifer, the first great rebel. Uh, Hillary Clinton wrote her thesis on uh, Saul Alinsky. And, of course, the whole idea was, you know, you use lies for whatever reason. You follow the mob's tactics, and his rules for radicals are amazing, and she took them to heart. And you may or may not know that Hillary Clinton, as a young woman, was actually a, one of the staffers on the Watergate committee, uh, the, the uh, Watergate um, prosecution team against Richard Nixon. And she actually was kicked off of that team because she lied to them and actually, as I recall, took some papers, uh, took some of the information that they were using. I don't know what the details were, but she got fired from that because she was not trustworthy then. Uh, I could say a lot about Hillary's life, but it just makes me wonder. Here's a girl raised in a conservative home, at least from all accounts, uh, at least Republican in that whatever definition of conservative that means, and a church that used to be, you know, preach Christ. Uh, so she heard the message. Some people hear like bullet points of the message, but they never, ever understand the power of the gospel or who God really is. It's just, uh, it's like we know that uh, that the, the demons recognize who God is and who Jesus is, but that doesn't mean they believe and follow him. It's a very different thing. And so here's Hillary Clinton who comes out as a powerhouse because she's not only smart, she understands conservative values, so she knows how to twist things to reach people who are raised in those homes. She has enough Christian teaching that she knows how to twist that, uh, and she incorporates the weapon of lying 
so incredibly, and then working through her husband, Bill Clinton, and I have read, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'd read many times and many years ago that she saw in Bill Clinton kind of an opportunity because he had political talent that she lacked. People, you know, just, you should see pictures of her when she was young. Uh, she didn't shave under her arms. She didn't bathe. She was, she, we know that she, um, uh, she did not, I don't think she, well, let's see, how shall I say this? She was not heterosexual. Let's say I think she played on both sides of the team. And so um, she has a very uh, strange past and a very strange companion for Bill Clinton, but it was a marriage made in heaven, well, or maybe made in hell, I don't know, because uh, it was his political talent with her acumen and her ability to manipulate and lie, and they became a powerhouse. And look what they have done. I actually, you know, they in the 90s, they became kind of a joke because the scandals were so... They came like a, as my mother would say, like a circle saw the scandals for the Clinton for the Clintons. It was just amazing. Not only the women, but you know Hillary covering up for it, her changing her persona, like she was like a little headband and little cup, uh, straight hair cupped under her chin, and she was baking cookies. <laughs> they cleaned her up after she became the first lady of Arkansas. It's a, it is really an incredible story, and. Um, and it has had such detrimental effect on the country. What I started to say was, in those days, I think it was like we didn't think anyone could get away with what they were getting away from with. We reported it. I, I, I Listen, I talked about this ad nauseum. Uh, I, you know, Hillary's a little older than I am, but I know a lot about her and a lot about Bill Clinton and a lot about details. I had... Uh, Arkansas State Troopers coming to me to talk to me on my radio show in Chicago at the time to tell me what they were seeing. And um, no one really thought this could get this this much of a foothold, and yet it has. Uh, and it has transformed. I guess people always gravitate toward they, what they naturally want to do anyway. You can't uh, lay all the blame on the Clintons, that's for sure, because people, I guess, like lies, and they like deceit, and they cooperated in order to gain power. And that's where we are, and that's where we are. And all I can say is there is a great judge of the universe. He will judge each man's heart, his deeds, including yours and mine, and that they will not escape that judgment. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.